0: Sebastian, my man, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Of course, thank you for having me. Absolutely. So what I want to do first is I want you to kind of introduce yourself to listeners who may be unfamiliar with the myth of Sebastian. <laughs> a myth. Oh, there's a lot of those. Okay.
1: Um, all right. So first off, my name is Sebastian Tomkowski. I'm 31 and uh, I'm a professional ballroom Latin dancer. And uh, I did not start when I was three or six. I started at 20, actually. So uh, that was that's kind of where my artistic journey uh, took a big leap.
0: Hi there. Coach Alex here from A-Team Fitness. Thanks for listening as I share incredible transformation stories directly from the source themselves, the individuals doing the work and seeing the results. We'll take a behind-the-curtain peek at the mental and physical changes that make for amazing transformation. I'm glad you're here. And after the episode, I hope you feel empowered to begin making some transformative changes of your own. Let's dive in. That's really interesting. You know, I, I had Claudia on the podcast a couple episodes ago and she mentioned she got her start in dance from a dance class she took when she was a young child, I wanna say maybe eight maybe it was 12 one of those ages i can't think of the time but nevertheless and i remember her saying that she felt like she got a late start in the game at that age now you having started at 20 years old yeah i guess first and foremost what led you to get into dance Mm. uh well
1: first off i'm polish filipino so actually it was always around me i didn't really realize it, but it was always in the family parties and i was too embarrassed actually i thought it was like ah, it's for, for older people or for, for for um maybe more feminine guys is my stupid brain at the time um but i was actually an artist before i danced so i do i do illustration graphic designing my plan was to be a graphic designer and uh, an illustrator of some sort make comics do uh do cover photos for movies stuff like this uh, and then once, uh, my classmate approached me, I was, was, in a program called visual performing arts VPA and I'm drawing in there and she needs another guy for her sweet 18. And I was like, okay, maybe, 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 uh, then I decided to do it. Turns out I was pretty good at it. I liked it. Uh, the video got posted and my aunt saw it. She said, Oh my God, Sebastian, you're pretty good. I, I think you're natural. I was like, Oh, well, I, I guess it's fun. Maybe. And then from there on, uh, uh, they took me to a class at this place called Stepping Step-by-Step. Uh, Step. And from there, I, I did my first class, which was a samba, pretty hard up. And then the owner said, hey, I think you're really good. We'll pay for your lessons here if you work as a party motivator, like get people to dance, uh, be high energy, uh, teach people who don't know how to dance. And uh, I was like, all right, sure. So I, I kind of worked and learned as I, I went. And that was the start of it at 20 years old.
0: Wow. I mean, to be 20 years old, to be now learning or exploring this new interest and to have someone come up to you and say, We will pay for you to learn how to do this. You just have to party with us. Yeah. Yeah. It was crazy. I was like, This cannot be a job. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, naturally, I have to find anytime someone falls into something by accident, there's, I guess, occasionally, there's like this eye opening experience where they're just like, Oh my God, I didn't know this existed. And I love every second of it. And I want to do this forever. But then there's people where they're like, nah, it's like, it's all right. Let's feel it out a little longer and see how it goes. And then that love of the activity develops over time. So, you know, if this was 20 and you're 31. This was 11 years ago was your introduction into dance. So you've been doing it for 11 years. Yeah, it was over my man. <laughs> what, what, how long, how did your <clears throat> love of dance and the artistry and the sport and and your continued participation in it like how has your passion for it developed over time gosh that's a great question so when i first
1: met uh ballroom dancing i was in love like boom right away so cool fun uh it was just meeting people so my i really loved it had a lot of things and it was instant almost feeling instant like i would get up and move my body as opposed to drawing which i was uh I loved at the time coming to an end of my love and drawing. And it was very bit of a crisis actually for me because it's like part of your identity. And so when I got into that class and I saw my first teacher do this Roomba walk, I almost cried. Not lot of was like, this is so beautiful. Uh, for me, it was instantly a hook. And uh, I wanted it also because I, I felt I'm kind of bubbly and uh, goofy naturally, but I felt I could only be that way with close friends. And so I, I felt this would help me become more social and uncomfortable and confident with myself to go out and be that way with other people. Uh, literally, the thought I remember having is like, this is where I can be the person who I was meant to be, regardless of what the world told me I couldn't be. And that was, that was exactly the thought I felt. And it, it just lit me up from the inside.
0: That is really awesome. It, it, it connects to me in the sense of, you know, when I got involved in fitness and I started to see myself become the version that I had always hoped that I could be right. I was, I was recently interviewed on a different podcast and, you know, uh, they asked me kind of what, what about the whole fitness got me going. And for me, it was, or keeps me inspired. And for me, it was how, seeing myself from a young age, when I was overweight, I literally remember moments of wishing I was someone else. Mm, I wanted their life, whether it was a character in a TV show or somebody that I knew or whatever. I was like, I want their life, the confidence, the charisma, the just everything that got going for them, whatever. And so for me now, as I continue in my fitness journey and, and, growing my business and helping people do the same, I see myself taking steps closer and closer to becoming that person that I always wished that I could have been. Mm-hmm.
1: I was going to say, oh, now.
0: Yeah, it, it sounds similar for you too. Like dance for you was the key to unlock a lot of the limitations that might have been around you at the time for you to step into who you truly were or, and or wanted to be
1: yeah yeah it, it, it's just I also was lucky um, to have a, a supportive bubble, if you will, and I, I say that very, very specifically because um, it's kind of like when there's good things, you don't you shouldn't let people get their hands on it <laughs> too early, uh, because I was not good when I started. I will, not t- I will tell you that. So it was lie to be good in a good way. And I was just super erratic. I was uh, you know athletic with dancing, which in a bad way. So it looked a little rough. I was too excited, but um, the community I was in—I was the, the youngest one, so I was kind of flashy, right? It allowed me to get to build my confidence, um, past arrogance, if that makes sense. Like mm-hmm. to the point where the amount of confidence I had started to become justifiable. <laughs> so I was like, I was like oh, "Okay, you're getting good enough to be like, why are you dressing like that or looking like that?" But uh, it started to like sync up with my who I thought I was and who I was actually becoming. Um, so that was, that was one, uh, reason uh, it was good to be there at that studio. Um, another thing that was important is it, it, it did change my mental health a lot to be physical. It was, it was really good to start to move and sweating, have something to shoot for. So I always tell like all my older students, if you have like someone with Alzheimer's dementia, super good to start getting to dancing or some sort of physical activity because it builds that, uh, uh, connection. And that was one of the most enjoyable things uh, for me. I think I kind of went off somewhere, but yeah.
0: No, I I love every bit of that. And there's a lot that I want to kind of unpack there. The first is, you know, with the the movement of dance, it's interesting, right? You know, myself taking dance lessons now for the past five years or so. Oh god, it's been five years. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Rabbit hole. Um the one thing that I've noticed, and, and I wrote about this once, which I didn't expect would be a consequence of learning how to dance in this. And you can attest to this, right? When you're learning how to dance and you're bad at it at first, but then you get better. It's really good at building awareness of where your body is in relation to other parts of your body and the environment around you. (laughs) Right. Not only do you have to, when you're dancing with a partner, you have to know where they are in relation to where you are in relation to your routine, your choreography, but also as I witnessed at Ohio star ball this past November in relation to other people on the floor too, you can't be bumping in or trying not to bump into other dancers, not knowing where they are. And so interestingly for me, ever since I started taking dance lessons, I noticed that I stub my toe or hit my body on things in my house left. Oh, good. Yeah, Because I know where things are in relation to the rest of my body. You know what I mean? I'm less clumsy. Yeah. Yes, that's so true. Wow, wow. Now I'm gonna start checking, like,
1: see how many times I do things. If I still, uh, that, and you bring up a great point. I, I actually was super clumsy, so my my mom was like, "You're gonna be a dance instructor," because you want me to be a nurse, a so, you know, Filipino dream, right? Like, <laughs> go go for it. You know that or something else, uh, you know, medical related. But that is so cool. You recognize that. Um, why bring that up? Oh, so the awareness that I felt that to piggyback off you, um. I, I found awareness of my ego one, my own body, uh, my, and respect respect for the process of what it takes to learn to be a, a top champion and respect for another human being. Um, because, and dancing, I'm not sure if it's a, in other fields, but you gotta kind of get this big ego in your head about who you want to be on this star. Um, and, and it kind of takes over and justifies some pretty bad behavior. And, um, I've been very lucky with my partners who are, who've been, uh, not, who don't put up with that. And, uh, it taught me how to kind of be a man. So dancing grew me up in a way uh, mentally and physically, but then also breaks you down. It also taught me when we're working in our sessions, how to be more cognizant of form and form, because when you're in front of people and you look at those videos, you go, it doesn't, it doesn't work. And you're struggling and you can't make those rounds Uh, you start to really appreciate uh, the the simplicity of something and then the efficiency of something.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, it makes sense because in dancing, I think above a lot of other activities, it not only is in an art and a sport, but it's performative in both, right? It's performative art. It's performative sport. And so it's there to some degree, there has to be that, performance that confidence dare i say that ego to to exude that on the floor and get attention and and kind of show and and you know do the artistry of it all make it look easy but you're right then there's a fine line of how do you step into the role of who you're portraying on the floor and how do you not let that performative aspect seep into the rest of your life yeah it was (laughs) right um and I think that's true in a lot of ways too. Anytime you're you're seeing progress in something, right? It's easy to kind of lose sight of, of maybe how much you still don't realize you don't know.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a blow to the, to, the, to the gut, right there. Like oh, right? Well.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the other interesting thing about dance, and this is true of any building of a skill, right? And it's kind of my firm belief that our our greatest motivational drives are towards seeing progress in something, mm. seeing ourselves get better at stuff. I think that's why people feel stuck when they're in a dead-end job and they don't have any hobbies where they're learning a skill or they're not actively learning stuff. They're just kind of going through the motions of their life. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, what portrays itself as a calm, simple life, which there's nothing wrong with that, eventually come, becomes boring because there's no motivation because there's no progress. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and I think having the dance for you, especially early on, that seeing that progress in yourself. Yeah, it was, it was fun. It, it's, you know, you mentioned it kind of helps you grow into the man that you are today. And I can't help but wonder if seeing yourself progress and having a goal to work on and seeing yourself get better at things was the catalyst that help you kind of figure out all the other stuff too and be motivated to. Yeah.
1: Yes. Uh, so um, that's, that's really, really uh, interesting. So like I always say that I tell my students dancing is the journey and it just so happens to be the vehicle of my choice to uh, take me on the journey of self improvement and development. Um, you could do it literally anything. It's just that it's just the act of self introspection and looking in and getting closer to the truest, strongest form of you, most pure form of you. And, uh, and I think you could do anything you could do, it, especially with fitness. I mean, there's so many levels. There's not just knowing how to do a push-up. there's once you get that, are you able to do, uh, cause again, you're not doing it to do push-ups. You're doing it so you can carry your kids. You're doing it so you can go that run in the park and, and be free, feel like freedom and uh, mobility and healthy, uh, which is why I really love working with you. Cause like, uh, as I do it, uh, as I was competing, I felt a lack of that over time. And so I was like, I really need to get into shape, uh, because it's not just looking cool anymore. So that was part of my upping my mentality journey because it wasn't just a a high school mentality of like, I'm the man, I look cool. I'm pretty good at my activity. It was all right. This is the new level. Your current fitness self mindset does not fit that level. You cannot enter here. (laughs) You need enough, Need more chips. So, uh, and when I work with you, it was about getting up to those level of chips to to stay with this new group of people, to stay with this new
0: realm of people. Everything you're talking about reminds me of a concept that you and I have talked about in the past. And I talk a lot about with everyone that I work with as being like so imperative to grasp the concept that I refer to as radical introspection, right? Mm. Introspection, as you mentioned, being able to look inside of ourselves and reflect, on our emotional states, on our thoughts, on our beliefs, on our actions, and being able to kind of critically evaluate is the way we're operating and the way we're thinking in line with what we actually want to do. Oh, yeah. And being able to do it at a radical level, which to me, radical in this context means being able to do that introspection and that self-evaluation, both when the answers are good and pleasant To, to think about. And also when it's not, when we have to address our shortcomings and be really honest and real and vulnerable with ourselves of like, I'm screwing this up a little bit. Yeah. 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 That is a good point. Uh,
1: Cause when I first got to dance, I only thought of the positives and then the
0: negatives started to hit. And then what do you do then? Yeah. And I think the risk of that, right. Is most people, and I think the majority of people, go through life, ignoring all the negatives or not addressing the things about themselves that drive some of the negative outcomes in their life. And so the trap, right, the risk of that is repeating the same mistakes over and over again, thinking that it's some sort of external factor that's just bad luck or other people are the problem or these external things outside of me are consistently causing these issues. And in reality, it's more likely something we're doing over and over again and not realizing it that's causing all the bad things to happen to us.
1: That makes yeah, a lot of sense, yeah. Uh, kind of like how when I came to you, I had a hip problem. <laughs> I was continuously doing my squats the wrong way. <laughs> and, and there you go. Um, but, yeah, that, that's, uh, that's a great part about it. One thing I, wanna, I wanna think about how that uh, affected me in dance a lot of it was social negative impact, actually. From learning dance, of course, we, built, we talked about building an awareness. And uh, the hardest part was how was I treating my partners for me? Was I, was I being uh, – sometimes you can disrespect people and think they're disrespecting you. That was my thing. I, I didn't realize, like, oh, I'm actually not being so nice. I'm not really understanding or even listening first. Um, so if, if I always tell my, my wedding couples, this is great couples therapy. If you're, uh, in a romantic partnership, cause it can get frustrating. So like you said, it's fun when you go to dance class at first, but then what happens when someone doesn't follow up or someone's not leading it right. And you find out, oh, is this going to work out? Um, and it, it, it has, it has, I think rapidly caused the growth in me. And when we met also, I was in a very different place in my life than I am now. Uh, I remember this clearly just thinking this morning actually. I'm in my apartment which is maybe a little messy now but it's my apartment. When I when I first met you I was in my mom's house. Um I was like 30 30 and I was just really in a bad place in my life because I was like I'm a dance instructor. I'll never be able to afford to live by myself. I'll I won't get a girlfriend because I'm too poor because I have to live this artist life, right? And um and no one's going to put up with me working all the time. And, uh, and I challenged that belief as we were starting working out, actually. Um, I started to feel like a little bit more courageous. I had a, a job. I was doing dance instructing and I was a part-time real estate agent. Um, and I don't know if I can say it out loud where they were, but I was working under their, their license to kind of uh, show apartments. And I didn't really like the hours because I was working seven days a week, practicing like literally from 8 a.m. and finishing at 10 and then having the, the the weekend job Friday Saturday Sunday from morning till five drive dance till maybe ten again and then do it over. So I was in a very very bad mental and probably physical place. And so I do remember thinking this morning, wow, isn't that funny how on my journey with uh, Alex, I actually started to get the courage outside of fitness what works out in my real life to go. You know what? I'm going to go challenge these beliefs. Am I going to be 31 and in my head, a loser who is not no girlfriend, not enough money and living at home. Uh, and I thought that was forever. And I said, you know what, this can't be forever.
0: And I, I moved out. And so, you know, that's really cool to hear. And what, what allowed you or what processes did you go through to start challenging some of those beliefs that you had about yourself and your circumstances in your life at the time?
1: Um, Oh, this is, this is a big thing. Action. Action is the only thing that moves you forward and curiosity Uh, and and a little bit of forgiveness. So, uh, everyone wants to, I used to want to figure it out first before I go, but this was the biggest paralyzer in my life. I had, I had to keep asking permission to, to do something. Oh, I have to be good enough. Then, then people will do it. I remember also when I was younger, I was also chubby and, uh, uh, I was like, well, I call myself fat. I had, you know, man boobies. And, uh, and like so much so I could like hang a shirt on them. Actually, I remember that <laughs> they curved up. Um, so it was not a flattering shape for me. And I remember wanting to be away and I'm like, ah, but I'm not attractive enough. No one will accept me that way. So I, I stopped. Like I made myself quiet or I try not to be goofy. I, I, I'm like, like that, that as an example of, of my personality throughout my life with my, my uh, body issues and my mental health. Uh, And so how I challenged it was when we started working together, I started to feel the momentum of something in my body physically changing first, which then allowed my mentality to change. Yeah, Uh, the long and short
0: answer. They're they're all interconnected, right? And people find this when they're moving their body they're and they're being physically active and they're nourishing their body with healthy foods and, and avoiding a lot of the junk food. That their thoughts and they f- see those changes in their body, right? The motivation of the progress, they start to change naturally how they think about things, even if they're not specifically working on how they're thinking about things. Yeah. Naturally, it just it occurs as a byproduct of all of these other things, right? And it's a cycle because I think when we start to change the way we think, the healthy eating and the exercise start to become a little bit easier, a little more natural. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Now everything's working together. It's like a wheel that's actually turning instead of a flat wheel that we're, that's just stuck, you know? Like in a rut. Like you said, yeah. it was, yeah. And, and something really cool that you said too was bringing up this idea of action. And, you know, I have a, a phrase that I like to use that action is the currency of change. Action oh, the currency of change, right? Because wishful thinking is a terrible plan. And yeah. really, when if we think about it, wishful thinking only satisfies our imagination of what could be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For a lot of people, that satisfaction of what could be feels like progress. When in yeah. reality, it's, we're still in the same spot. We haven't done anything yet. Well, it's kind of
1: like fast food. It feels great momentarily, it's quick, it's easy to do, but it doesn't really do anything for your actual health yeah yeah i like
0: it wishful thinking is the fast food of your thoughts yeah that's good that might be the title of this episode (laughs) um so you know tell me a little bit about tell me about what your fitness looked like your fitness routine looked like before we met Mm, that was interesting because uh throughout my life
1: uh because i was chubby i was motivated to get skinny uh, so I did a couple. I stopped. I cut down my diet uh, a little bit on my own, and I would during uh, entering high school. I was getting really into fitness, pushups every day, stuff like this. But for the for the aesthetic reason, got get girls look cool, look strong. No one mess with me, uh, stuff like this, right? Um, but in the pandemic, uh, it kind of fell, fell off because so that's where it was, and I was already dancing every day. So uh, with not dancing anymore. And eating the same amount, I kind of blew up a little bit in, in a bad way. I I, I remember being like a bean, like my arms are string beans. And I was like, my body was like a lima bean. Like it was the weirdest shape I've ever been in, actually. And I was working out kind of. And so I was trying to challenge myself to do it. But then I was like, all right, I was in pain. And I was like, I, I think I need to take a look at this because I am putting effort in. Right. So I had this discipline from sports like soccer and, and football already but I was missing the education and uh, the knowledge to do what would really take me to the next level and then protect my health is what I was looking for
0: yeah so you know when we met what drew you to me into A-Team Fitness when you were thinking about getting that extra guidance oh great
1: yeah so one I was watching Facebook right I was like stories eat 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 right which was uh, the pandemic kind of thing right and uh, I saw Eli, and then I saw Claudia. And I was like, they look amazing. And I, I think I remember seeing uh, Claudia start dancing a lot better because she was taking her fitness and, and Ron too. And I was like, wow, I, I should probably do something. Like, I want to take my dancing next level. I want to look cool like they do, right? And, at, and at Eli too, it, the craziest transformation I've seen because I met him before and uh, great guy great dancer and then i told this guy he looks like a, he looked like a fitness person like a, a, a those those bodybuilders i was like dude how did this happen I zero fat his skin's like super rips
0: so uh yeah i was like i gotta i gotta contact him and that was how i found you and so you know in our first conversation and this is more for a personal curiosity when was the moment as we were kind of learning about each other, I was learning about you and, and your involvement in dance and what you were looking to achieve and kind of how your life looked at the time, which was still in the middle of the pandemic. And you obviously were doing the same, learning about me, kind of seeing how I could help you. At what point in time, if you can remember, at what point in time did you make the decision that this is the guy that I'm going to work with? Hmm.
1: Well, Honestly, based off even on our phone call, I was like, here, just just I'm just take it. I'm gonna I'm gonna do this, right? Um, but but even a second point, because I saw the results. I saw the results. Um, I like that it was flexible. I I can match my crazy schedule, right? So those two things were already very attractive. Like it works, it's flexible. I I don't uh, I don't need a nine to five for this, or it could work if I did something crazy with my life, right? Um and it was just really your demeanor. And I can see the knowledge and uh, the care you took into planning and making the, the programs for everyone individual. And, uh, and I liked how you uh you slowly went up with things uh, because one thing I was looking for at the time uh, that when I first met was consistent strength and consistent health. Cause I wanted to look ripped. Right. But I was like, I'm, I'm I can't, because every five days my hip or back is pulled. <laughs> right. So I would, I would bench press da, 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 and then, ah, sorry. And then we go back down. So I really love those things working with you.
0: We. Um, mm. uh, and now I lost what I was going to ask you. Uh-huh. you know, we're going to cut this part too. <laughs> I'm mostly saying that, so I remember where it is. <laughs> um. Was when you when you decided to enroll in the program. What, was there anything that surprised you or was different than what you were expecting with regards to participating in an online coaching program? Hmm.
1: One thing, again, we talked about the discover of yourself. It revealed to me how actually undisciplined and, and, or an issue of consistency I have personally. So I think I used to blame it on my busy schedule. Or whatever right but uh, i'm pretty inconsistent in a lot of areas of my life and that actually showed me it. so i was like all right it's gonna take me a, a great deal of myself to, to to build this consistency to build this discipline and uh what was what was very great was uh what i found one fun was that there's the videos that made it easy so if i had questions there was no excuse why you couldn't do it right i had a call i could ask you and do them right there All right, I got to get this done. He's laid it out. He's done all the work. It's just, I got to do it now. So I really love that
0: aspect about it. And I wasn't expecting that, actually. You know, it's interesting because what what I'm hearing you say is prior to that, and you, you know, make no mistake, you have and probably still do have a chaotic, busy schedule that even I was shocked that you were able to continue with for as long as you did. And so it sounds like prior to us meeting, it was easy to write it off as a busy schedule being the reason why you couldn't do all these things. And then you joined the online coaching program. And now, as you said, it was flexible. It was built around your schedule. We had come up with a game plan for where and how to fit these exercises in up to and including home exercises that you could do right there in your apartment before leaving for the day, et cetera, et cetera. And it, it, it seems like once we knocked all of the barriers of time out of the way <laughs> and it still wasn't happening, that became the light bulb moment of, okay, maybe it wasn't actually the time management to begin with.
1: Yeah. 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 And uh, it was super fun to see actually. I was like, Oh, wow. It was, was kind of like the life coaching or just general therapy in a way, because it, again, uh, from choosing to join, And taking action in some way even if i didn't get the exercises done i still propelled myself in life because i'm like all right this is a wall i need to face yeah even if i missed the workout that was the funniest part even if i missed my own workout at 18 the the program still helped me overall my health mental health spiritual health if you want to put it that way too and then of course physically
0: yeah and it's interesting because i know a lot of our weekly coaching calls took the direction of kind of highlighting more mindset related topics. I think that was the bulk majority of what we talked about every week Yeah, things related to mindset. And so, you know, as we've been talking about mindset interrelated to all of these things, right. It, we can, I think a lot of fitness coaches approach it as they need to know how to eat right. They need to know what exercises to do and then it's their responsibility to do it and kind of neglecting the mindset part of things where, yes, if we get the diet and nutrition down, it leads to a better mindset, but oftentimes, and this is where it gets tricky. Most people need a better mindset before they'll get consistent with the exercise and the nutrition. Mm -hmm. Right. So oftentimes mindset's the precursor to get better at the fitness, which then gets better at the mindset, right? It's kind of a starting point of the cycle. And so in what ways if in as specific as you might be able to recall, did some of those conversations on the mindset topics really prove helpful for you? Mm -hmm.
1: Uh, Well, they were always extremely helpful because I can only speak personally, but I'm quite, I can't tell it's neurotic, but emotional. And uh, I I get into kind of pity parties quite easily. Uh, Over time, it's become a little bit more, especially during the pandemic. I had a lot of things personally happen to me um, that really made my neg, my my mindset negative so that was my go-to emotion that was my emotional home it's not going to work uh i can't do it it was right away there right and it seemed so real like that must be the only option there's no other way Any, any anything else you're saying is instagram inspirational quotes so i could even dig myself out i felt right so the mindset for me was huge it was is it was uh the detriment of my life, it was, it was essential for me to get a new one or else I felt I would die. Uh, and I, I don't mean to be exaggerated like that. That's literally what I felt. Um, so how, the, how it worked was when we were working. Uh, I remember you were telling me something about... One, I, was, I allowed myself to just do 1% better every day. Mm-hmm. I said, all right, even if I don't do the full workout, uh, I just started it. And then usually... Once I started, got the ball rolling, it, I was there. And then I wanted to overachieve somehow. So uh, it taught me about the importance of keeping uh, being humble, keeping a low threshold, because I, I think in some ways I'm a perfectionist. So if it's not done this way or done to the highest level, I'm not his best client. I was already failing.
0: Yeah it, you know, taking a step back for a second to when you mentioned kind of it was easy for you to fall into pity parties and kind of feel sorry for yourself. What do you do now when you start to feel yourself go into that place of maybe something unfortunate happens or it's been a stressful day, whether in your control or not, and you start to feel yourself go to that negatively driven emotional place? How do you acknowledge it, address it, and then try to combat it? Uh,
1: first I, I, I tell myself, um, I allow myself to feel it, but I, I tell myself it's not real. Like, uh, it's real for now, but it doesn't mean it's the truth of, of the situation. It's just a possible truth, right? All right, cool. You do feel sad or you do feel frustrated, right? Um, so when I do that, I kind of actually go for a run or just do push-ups on the spot. Uh, because I need to break that. I need to break it. It's not real. Get out of that place. So now I just do pushups, squats. Like I have a preset workout I do in the morning. Um, based on what we did, I just take input into one, two, three, and I make it easy. And then, uh, and then uh, and I'm like, all right, boom. I do a ritual and I get out there. So if I'm feeling upset at a comp, let's say, uh, I felt really nervous in NYDF. Uh, and so normally I want to be bubbly, but I didn't talk to anyone. I, I didn't feel like really uh, good there actually. So I just did. I did 25 push-ups. I did 25 squats and I did 20, uh, 50 jumping jacks. And by the time of, uh, of 50 jumping jacks, I was like, wait, why, what was I upset about? I just remembered I had to get to the comp. So it helps me short circuit. It has
0: a long answer. Yeah. No, I love that answer. Especially when you said that you have to make yourself realize that just because you're having those thoughts and feeling those emotions doesn't mean that the story you're telling yourself is real. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so being able to challenge that, because I I know a lot of people, myself included, for a very long time, those stories that we tell ourselves in our head, those are our reality. Right. Mm -hmm. Our brain is just interpreting stimuli. The glance of a person that doesn't look friendly, the smile of someone that does look friendly, the, the stress that we feel, the pressure we feel to perform in a certain way, all of these stimulus all that stimuli is being interpreted by our brain. And then we have to make sense of it, right? Otherwise it's just data. And so the way we make sense of it is telling stories. We tell ourselves a story about what's happening around us to help us make sense of it. Hmm. But just like with any other amount of, if you look at a spreadsheet of numbers and you look at this, that, and the other, we can often tell stories that aren't accurate or not helpful or, or that aren't helpful. Right. And so being able to recognize that just because that's the thought we're having doesn't mean that's the reality that's actually going on. It's just the way that we've interpreted this. And then to go a step further, interestingly, too, how we're already feeling can change how we interpret things, right? So here's a a great example. Say you're already having a stressful day. You're already in a bad mood. And you get a text message that's just like, I don't know. It says something and then there's just a period and that's it. How easy when we're already in a negative mind state, is it to misread that as an aggressive text message just because it ended with a period and there was no emoji, there was no exclamation, there was nothing else. You know, it's just like, why is this person, why is this person angry? I don't get it. What's going on? And it's because we were already angry. We were predisposed to interpreting things as angry. And then because that was just a simple text message, we read it as them being angry.
1: Well, if, it's, if it counts for anything, I've never gotten that vibe from you.
0: It was it's, it's funny you mention that because I purposefully designed my text messages to avoid that oh. mistake. Yeah, it's something, especially in an online space where I'm communicating. Obviously, something like this where it's virtual and we can see each other, you get a little bit of body language that comes with, the inflection in my voice or the look on my face or my body language that will kind of give you clues as to if what I'm saying is meant to be positive or negative or angry or frustrated or happy or excited or whatever. Right. And mm-hmm. text, you lose all of that nonverbal, right? It's literally yeah. words on the paper. So I have had to learn over the years purposefully to choose my words carefully, to choose my punctuation carefully and the purposeful use of emojis. to ah to ensure that the message I'm sending is actually conveying the emotion that I'm intending mm. and not something that I'm not intending. I can use that. I should definitely use
1: that in my life. Right? Yeah. I piss people times a week. Oh, no, I don't mean that.
0: <laughs> and so that's why I'm glad that, and, and to be fair, if you were to just read a, you know, if we took all of my text messages that I sent to you guys, and, and put it on a piece of paper just by themselves and you read them one after the other, you'd be like, this dude is way too positive, way too excited. This seems fake, mm-hmm. right? That's, that's what you would experience. And that's just kind of the reality because it needs to be a little bit over if it's, if it's meant to be a positive message, or even if it's meant to be a neutral message, if it's meant to have no emotion, in text, it has to err on the side of being a little bit more friendly and positive to make up for any difference yeah. in how that person might be feeling, true, true. right? Somebody who's having a bad day might read a slightly positive message as being a neutral message.
1: Yeah, yeah. I also think it's better to come across as a little bit more happy-go-lucky than... True. Just
0: I, agree. I agree
1: with you 100%. You know, here, okay, cool, but you know I don't mean any harm.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And I agree with you 100% on that. So I'm glad to hear that you noticed or never got any of that misinterpretation of my messages.
1: Yeah, no, actually, that's uh, one of the more enjoyable things. I mean, you have a great way about you. All right. Clean look. Right. But always positive vibes. uh, It's it's reinforced even more when you go on the coaching calls. Um, And it's I think it's a very, very important trait to have as a leader because that's what you are. You lead people to their best selves and their fitness levels and their best mentalities. So uh, it would be very, very hard to do this very, very intangible thing where you're not there pushing me to do it in person. um, If it was uh, anything less than what you are now, like uh, personality wise and and encouragement, that's a very, very big part of the the 18
0: fitness uh, appeal. Absolutely. You know, it makes me think of, this is something I've been kind of, Sitting with for a little while as I think about new people who come into the program, right? Mm -hmm. Whether it's weight loss, whether it's a dancer who wants to improve their performance, whatever it is, whatever they're trying to solve, the problem they're trying to solve, they're coming and seeking help on some level because they don't feel like they can do it on their own. Yeah. Right. Which means that they don't have the confidence in themselves to actually see the goal through to some degree. Some people, it's really bad. They just have no belief in themselves. Mm -hmm. the goal that they want some people it's varying maybe they just don't have the tools yet to do it or whatever the case may be so what i've learned is new people coming in my goal naturally is to instill in our conversations and the progress that we see a belief in yourself to Mm -hmm. be successful that's my ultimate goal. i want you to firmly believe in your ability to succeed not only in fitness but in dance and life whatever But in order to start building that confidence in you, we have to start seeing some wins first, right? You have to see yourself, you can see the progress, right? You have to see yourself being successful to start believing that you can continue to be successful. And so the challenge, of course, is how do I get someone to actually do the work and see success in order to start believing in themselves when they don't currently believe in themselves? And so what I learned is my belief in you guys Is oftentimes what drives people to do the necessary work to start seeing wins, to start building the belief in themselves, right? So it starts off as, I don't think I can do this. I don't know how it's going to work, to, wow, this dude really believes that I can do this. Maybe he's right. Let's find out. And then they start to see themselves win. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, wow, I'm kind of doing the thing. Maybe I can do this. And then eventually their belief takes over and they can just believe in themselves. Now we're mm. both believing in them instead of it just being me. That's amazing. I mean, that's what I felt. Yeah, and so uh, it's all—it's all very purposeful, my friend.
1: I like, one. Oh, this guy is really into it. Like, boom, boom. Uh, but no, that again—that is just to reiterate—that is super helpful, uh, and it was essential, especially for me, because I was probably one of your like more sour uh, clients. And
0: I was like, man, something's
1: wrong again this week.
0: It's interesting because everyone thinks they're the most sour client and it's never true. Right. It's because we're all going through our own journey and we're all going through our own stuff and we're all facing our own challenges that in our world, it seems like it's the worst. Yeah. (laughs) But everyone's pretty much exactly the same.
1: Oh, okay, cool. Good to know. Good to know. I was like, man, this call is going to go south real quick. And I'm like, Hey man, what's going on? Guess what happened? Didn't drink water again. (laughs) i suck I like, guess what i call it. Yeah. uh but then yeah i would do the same week and i'm like oh okay i see what he's doing this course works
0: <laughs> it, it works my friend it works
1: good to know good to know
0: um what uh what i want to ask you next i feel like i had a really good question for you I really, oh, you know what? I wanted to ask you about. I want you made a, early in this conversation. You had made a fleeting comment, and it's a conversation we've previously had that I turned into a blog on my website because I thought it was oh, cool. so powerful. Which is, you had made the fleeting comment earlier that when you were getting involved in dance, you had a little bit of uh, why you hadn't got into it earlier than 20 years old was a little apprehension at feeling like it was too feminine of an activity for a man. Ah, yes. I see. I see. To participate in. What, I'm curious, what drove you personally to think about it that way? Hmm. To think about it as a feminine thing or to think, rethink about it. Not necessarily as a feminine, but something that was too feminine for someone like yourself to participate in before you actually tried.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, I think I had to do a lot to do with placement and, and just naivety, like like being stupid a little bit to be honest, lack of words. So I was young and I was in this kind of macho stage. I was doing pushup. I was I was pretty big actually. I was benching 180 and my I was my frame was like 154. I, I was pretty good, right? But it was just I was just all chest, no back or anything, right? Um, so I was that became my identity was working out actually fitness being this kind of macho guy so anything that went against it challenged it challenged me as a person and i was like all right if i'm this macho guy with the spikes and all or the long hair whatever the case may be um and i dance that doesn't fit into this blueprint right that means like i'm a fake so i actually felt like it was like uh, really scary to start to go in there um also uh something my i don't know why like uh, something clicked it was like, Hey, if I dance, I'll be dancing with girls. And that's, at the time, that was all what you really want to do. Like, I want to go get a girl. I want to go find a girlfriend or I want to go meet people. Right. So that, that's what helped change it. And then once I actually saw how interesting or intricate it could be, uh, I said, all right, this is, this takes brain power. This takes a skill. And, and the skill was what excited me was learning the skill to become uh, proficient at something and then, and then like, all right, if I'm proficient at something, I must be good. I must be competent. And that, that's what excited me about it. Um, I don't know exactly. Yeah, that was a hard one because I don't really know the exact moment. Other than that, it just sort of became okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because, you know, I totally see why you would think that because I know as a teenager, I would have thought, and I probably did think the exact same thing. Yeah. And it's interesting about teenagers too because I – From what I observed and from what I've experienced being a teenager, in my mind, it's almost as if, you know, there's definitely things, there are popular trends when you're a teenager. Everyone wants to be like the cool kids. Everyone wants to fit in. And so to fit in, depending on where you are, you have to do certain things to be considered one of the cool kids, right? Mm -hmm. And my inclination in, in now retroactively looking at that is nobody when they're a teenager knows who they are. Everyone's figuring out what kind of person they're going to become, what their interests are, who they're going to be as a person. Mm -hmm. And when we, as a social species, don't understand our place, we Mm -hmm. look to those around us to figure out what's normal, right? So as an example, if you've ever been to, you know, you mentioned prior to us recording that you had just went to Peru. And so you went to a foreign country where the culture is very different. And so maybe you experienced this either while you were there or other times in your life. If you're at a restaurant or you're in an environment that's culturally different, where there might be different customs, there might be different rituals Mm -hmm. and you might be sitting at dinner and there's a certain thing you have to do beforehand and you're not sure what to do. So you look around, right? Go around and you see what is everyone else doing? And then what am I supposed to be doing? (laughs) Right? That's what we do. We look around and we see what everyone else is doing. So as teenagers, when we don't know who we are and we're trying to figure it out, we do that same thing. We look around. What is everyone else doing? If everyone else is vying to be this certain mold of a person, what's mm-hmm. popular, then we can feel pressure to be that way, even if it's not true to who we are. Because we don't do yeah. that.
1: Actually, you, just re- you reminded me of the thought. Funny how it just came to me. All right. So, I, I, yeah, why? I grew up in a very, I grew up in Jersey City. It's inner city. And, uh, I was the only, well, at the time I looked white, <laughs> I did not explain it. Like when I was younger, I looked a little bit more white and, and it's a predominantly like interstate black Spanish, uh, ethnic. Right. So it was very unsafe for me. So I, I, did, and I'm small, I'm a short guy. So, uh, I, I bulked up as soon as I could, because I was, I was tired of being considered the weaker person. I actually had a kid say to me, do you think a white kid could actually beat a black kid at anything? And, and of course, you look back now. He was probably in pain about something, but that was the that was the case for me. Uh, and my first day in Jersey City, I remember I was five years old. I got smacked across my face from a little five year old too. And then I looked up. There was twenty adults that are all bloods, and I just I had to push it down because I was smart enough to know if I hit this kid, I'm going to be in trouble, right? And, and I, I just played. I was trying to play basketball. I couldn't. I was like, all right. And I think that's when the mentality shift split. I was like, "All right, I'm such a loser. Only a loser would do that or get that done." To, I'm not going to tell my mom; she'll be so ashamed of me. I remember that feeling actually. And so I did everything I could. Growing, I was goofy, but then it came to a point where the goofiness again was not okay. It, it was deadly. You would get jumped if someone smelled that you were afraid. They would they would they would mess with you right away. And even then, they would probably just mess with you, right? So it was it was detriment it was it was super important for me to become this ripped powerful looking kid i was the only well, kid was like, i was doing like pull-ups i remember they're like oh you're you're like the black dude now you're like like you're, you're one of us so i had to earn my stripes to get in to be protected all right and uh i had to be the crazy kid i had to be all these things i couldn't be myself actually i, I had to hide it i remember having my actual self and the self i had to put up every every day i remember that and. One thing occurred to me. This is where it switched, and I was glad I started to feel it. Uh, m- two of my friends died. Actually, Uh one uh, got shot down uh, the street from my house, uh, and he was like, I forget how old he was, but he uh, he was he was young, right? And uh he got shot right in the head. Of his own car took. He was selling weed, and uh, and they took his they took a stash shot in the head right there, dead, left on the side of the road. And he was a super macho guy. And then my other friend. Same thing. He was on the opposite side. He got good. He went and became a cop, got shot, right? His first job as a detective or something or, or a police officer, shot right in the face uh, at a Walgreens because some guy took the Walgreens attendant's gun and shot him as he responded and then decided to get pelted by police. And then a race war happened. Um, but I decided from then on masculinity was a box. It's a coffin because all you can be is heart. All you can be is tough. You can't be creative. You can't be. Uh, you can't be any of that stuff. And it was very painful because that's who I was. I was an artist, and I was living half a life. I was only being in myself with my people. Uh, when I went on, I would almost feel like fake. Like it's part of me. Like I, I consider myself pretty tough, um, and i fought in people and all that stuff. But I would always have to be like this. What's up, you What's going on? I, I was. It was putting a front up. And, uh, and then I found dance and I was like all right, I can I can breathe I can I can show other people because I was an artist so it was part of my intellect but it was never visual I was never allowed to just be free and, and, and to feel the things I was already feeling so that's I remember that's the thought that led me to be okay with
0: uh, with dancing that's such a powerful experience and I appreciate you sharing it all it, yeah. I mean it's very clear that you became who you had to become in that environment in order to survive. And then once you broke free of that environment, then you were able to, as you acknowledge that the masculinity was a box that put you in a coffin, as you will, it was, you know, it, you allowed yourself to climb out of that box and see what was out there. And it, it reminds me of the original conversation we had about this, where we were talking about, dance and masculinity and i brought up you know none of the, no dancers are what people would think of as typically masculine And if you remember yeah. I, I asked you who the main character in dirty dancing was yeah yeah right? that's true patrick swayze in dirty dancing there's not a single person on earth that can't tell me that dude's not masculine i don't that's know true. who you are you know what i mean and it also makes me think of as you've probably experienced too what's the typical guy thing to do at a nightclub, for example, right? Stand in the corner, drink in their hand, kind of the same gesture you just made of just like nodding their head, trying to look cool, trying to look tough. They're like, no, I'm not going to dance, whatever. And it blows my mind. And again, I don't care who no guy in the world can try to tell me that going to a nightclub and standing in the corner is fun. That's not fun. Oh, it's true. Like like, a hundred dollars. You know what I mean? Like, Dancing is fun. And it is it, and particularly as a guy, it can help you. Like it can boost your confidence. You feel smooth. You feel suave. You feel like, you know, like you're, you're that guy. Yeah. Yeah. You know I mean? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so it's so interesting how easy it is for people. And this is true of, of men and dancing and, you know, women with a lot, like women in lifting, for example, of a lot of women are afraid to lift because they're afraid of getting bulky or they'll look manly or it's a manly activity. And it's oftentimes those those activities that we're afraid to do because it's too feminine or too masculine or whatever, more often than not, only enhance the qualities that we actually want of our masculinity or our femininity, right? Yeah. So as we talked about with the dance, when you can confidently walk out on a dance floor and you can have the moves you can be smooth you can keep up and have a good time and dance that only makes you more masculine right yeah makes you more attractive it makes you more interesting it makes you more of a man because you're confident and you're not letting fear hold yes you. with women and lifting as a as a counterexample, mm lifting weights for a lot of women who are afraid of getting bulky or broad shoulders or you know they want a more feminine figure they want more curves and stuff like that lifting weights in reality will only enhance the things that they want out Mm -hmm. of a feminine body it won't make them blocky it won't make them bulky it will make them have all of the qualities in their body and their shape that they want Mm
1: -hmm. that's a great that's an interesting thought uh because it, it reminded me of a, 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 a thought. I don't know if I got it from somewhere, but they would say, oh, it's too feminine or da-da-da. And one of my teachers was like, Sebastian, you're already a man. Your body is built like this. Anything you do is already going to be masculine. Same thing for her. Her body is shaped a certain way. It's already going to be. So the activity or the choices doesn't matter as much. Mm-hmm. Just, just do it. You are this. And I kind of guess, a uh, go for lifting, ladies are already feminine by nature in their body. It's built that way. So only accepting it, could, uh, accepting it and doing something with it is probably the most feminine thing you could do or vice versa masculine thing you could do Absolutely. because you're, you're kind of hon- you're digging in, you're leaning into that.
0: Yeah. So, I don't know, are powerful actually. Yeah. That's a fantastic insight. Absolutely. Um, you know, it, we've been talking about a lot of things and it's been a really great conversation and I want to end Sebastian with really two questions. The first is I want to ask you what advice you would give to yourself at 20 years old or 10 years ago or whatever. Okay. Um, Hmm.
1: 20 years old. (laughs) I would say. Um, focus very much on your own ambition your own dreams your own uh, intellect things like this do it more for you uh, forgive yourself for, for anything you've done or for all your shortcomings because they were preset and you're learning through them um, and the rest is uh, as much as you can help as many people as you're able as you're able to um, because the, for me, the, what was dangerous was a selfish mindset. Uh, it didn't lead to any mat- potential growth. Uh, I, I could, uh, you know, I could have done a lot more studying. Uh, I think, yeah. So study all your passions and yourself. That would be a better way to say, it. study all your passion and yourself, help as many people as you can. And when you're able, and then forgive yourself, uh, for your past self, because you were learning.
0: That's pretty powerful. Growth, service to others, and forgiveness. Those are some pretty important themes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. So how I want to end, Sebastian, is I want to give you the opportunity to ask me any question that you want. Let's see.
1: Oh, one, I, I always like to know this. It might be a little personal. So how,
0: two part, how did you and your girlfriend meet? How did me and Katrina meet? It's a funny story, actually. It's a funny story. We... At the time, I was training in person at a gym. There were maybe four other trainers that worked out there. And we this was back in 2015, I want to say. It was the night before Thanksgiving. So the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, biggest bar night of the year. Myself and these other trainers, for the first time together, decided we were going to go out to a bar and we were going to go hang out for the night. One of those trainers, who's still a very good friend of mine, he knew Katrina and her friends from high school. They all went to high school together. I did not go to high school with Katrina. They were one town over, basically. And so Katrina and all of her friends were also going out this night. And the other friend of mine and Katrina and her friends had connected and said, we should meet up at some point as a little high school reunion of sorts. We'll see each other hang out. We haven't seen each other in years. So I was at the bar with these trainers and Katrina and her friends show up. And so I meet them, we're talking and then her, her, her friends might kill me for saying this, but one of the, it was Katrina and two of her friends, one of her friends left to go see another friend at a different bar. Ah. And the other friend was busy, occupied with a guy that she was seeing at the time who was also at the bar. So Katrina ah. was there kind of by herself, just kind of hanging out, whatever. And so I started a conversation with her and we talked the whole night. And so that kind of started it. We had a great conversation, you know, she left and I was too stupid to get her phone number before she left. Uh. So I ended up having to, my friend and her, my friend also didn't went to high school with her, didn't have her phone number. He only had her Snapchat. So through Snapchat, I had to have him get her number so that I could call her again. Mm -hmm. And so I don't think I got home. This was, Now, Thursday morning, Thanksgiving morning. I don't think I got home until maybe six in the morning. Wow. And I will never forget. I had to get up the next day at 8 a.m. Ah, Because my brother was picking me up and we were driving four hours to Chicago to go visit my family for Thanksgiving. uh. So it it was a very late night, but very awesome. And then from there, we just kept talking. I remember I texted her pretty much all Thanksgiving day we went out again the following Saturday and pretty much every weekend thereafter for a very long time. And here wow. we are six, some years later. That's amazing. I always like to
1: how people foul each other because it's funny how, how much chance sometimes is involved. And uh, yeah. And then of course the gusto you went, you went for, yeah.
0: yeah. You know, you know, it's interesting because literally prior to that, I never went out to bars. This was like the second time. Wow. Since, since my 21st birthday, I think or maybe a couple of times thereafter, and I was 25 at the time, there was, this was the first or second time going out to a bar in my post-education life. Wow. And I just so happened to meet someone the second time.
1: Kept you from bars ever since.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, her and I went on a little bit of a partying spree there for a little while. We were going out for a a while, but we would go out together. We, you know, meet friends and it was, it was a very exciting time, but. Uh, still a very exciting time but just in different ways yeah different different phase yeah yeah but <laughs> cool. we, met, we met at a bar
1: i always i always find it interesting because i've only met my significant others in dance mm. so for me when i i like to i always ask my wedding couples like or I, when i meet like how did you guys meet because i always find it fascinating because it's it's just it's still socializing but just different ways of making it work with dancing i already have a handhold i have a slight reason we have to interact that allows a lot of uh i guess those bro- those barriers you would have to knock down with social skills <laughs> uh dancing so you don't kind of have to have them as much because you have to touch and the touch does a lot for you
0: yeah it, it, you're right i think it acts as a as a bridge to get o- over a lot of the awkwardness of that initial touching like normally right if you're at a bar it's like oh should I put my arm around her? Should I hold her hand? Yeah. I don't yeah. know What's acceptable here? I don't know what she wants from me. But in dance, if both people are opting to dance, it's just expected. Yeah. They're going to yeah. put their arm around me. They're going to hold my hand. They're going to move me around, right? And so I think it does, in a lot of ways, can get rid of a lot of that awkwardness. Not to mention just the closeness of it. Like you're physically very close yeah. to somebody.
1: yeah. I, the only one thing that wh- wh- why I don't uh, one I don't date my dance partners uh, now. Uh, my partner is great now, um, but I guess there's an illusion because you have all this chem- all these chemicals coming in. You're touching, right? Uh, but it, that's a, that's a that's a process of proximity, right? So what happens when you no longer have that physical thing? to, Oh, I don't even like this person. That's happened to me like once or twice. And it's, it's a terrible thing. So I always find it fun when people actually meet as people and their way of connecting is interaction that leads to the physicality versus the physicality that leads to interaction. Yeah. Uh, and I think, I, I don't know, I, I had, I only had that one maybe twice in my life. And it's, it's interesting for me because that one is a little weaker of a skill for me versus this is a,
0: a, a stronger skill. Yeah. I mean, I think there's, there's definitely a good insight there of being able to, differentiate between the two and kind of the actual interest versus just the lust or the emotion of the moment or whatever it is. Right. Cause you're right though. That touching and dance can heighten emotions that wouldn't otherwise exist. Yeah. I'm a, I, I sometimes step back like, why do I even like that person? Yeah. That I, you know, it's interesting too. If, if ever there's a, 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 I wouldn't even call it dating advice, but I will just make an observation about the mm-hmm. dating world in general which has been my experience. The, when, I, when I met Katrina, I was not looking for a relationship. Mm. And I tell this to people often because I meet people often who are, which is nothing wrong for purposefully looking for a significant other, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, right? But when people do it because, A, they don't know how to be alone or they're afraid to be alone, yeah, so they're desperate to get into a relationship. The risk of that, similar in some ways to the lust of in touch of dance, is it's easy to overlook a lot of red flags. Yeah, come on, yeah. because you're like, I need this to work. So, is do I really hate this quality that much? Right? And yeah. then Down the road, they realize, oh yes, I did. Yeah, too late. Like, you're married now. You know. And so, what I tell people, not that people ask me for my dating advice, is. Just try to meet as many people as possible. Men, Mm. women, doesn't matter. Try to meet as many people as possible. Because the other fact of it too, it may be a little different now with online dating in the pandemic, but prior to the pandemic and prior to the boom of online dating, more than 60%, if I remember the stat correctly, more than 60% of married couples met through mutual friends. Ah, Yeah, yeah. So, because the more people we know, the more networks we're in, not to sound too executive-like, but the more um, social circles that we can go into, the more options we have. Hmm. Right? Sure. And so anytime that I've gotten a relationship, it's been, how can I just meet and befriend as many people as possible? And then in so doing, because I'm not looking for a partner, I can be a little bit more aware of the red flags that I don't like versus the things that mm-hmm. I do like. And then I'm not jumping into something that's not right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which obviously dating is very hard, even when you're trying to do it right. So I'm not going to make it sound like it's easier than it is. What? Well,
1: what? What I hear is that you're complete on your own because I, 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 I experienced myself. In such a rush to be in a union, you're, you're, you're actually kind of taking other person. You become clingy, actually, because you're not good. If she leaves you like a little kid, if she leaves you by the the counter, you're going to oh my god, freak out, right? Or you could, you're good. So if other people come in, it's the same thing. What was I going to say about that? You said something very, very, I've uh, been being whole and around I wrote out two essays before I met my current girlfriend. Uh, I wrote two essays. And the first one I wrote was, I called, I called it the man of my dreams. I was like, who do I want to be? Or who do I need to become in all areas of my life for that to someone to enter into? And then I wrote the specific qualities I was looking for in a person, in a, in a life partner. I, I remember I had to specify because I was meeting people, but they always turned one night stands or something where I didn't really enjoy after a while. Uh, and but on both sides, like it just wasn't intrinsically there. Uh, we didn't enjoy each other's company like that, actually. Um, and part of that was because I wasn't looking at the right qualities in a person. I was like, all right, she looks good. I think that was really it <laughs> at the time. And I realized I was like, I was being like very, 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 very um, shallow. And once I wrote out the woman of my dreams and the man of my dreams essay, like five paragraphs each, uh, I literally saw her on Facebook. I clicked it. I said, Hey, add friend. And then she messaged me. Hey, uh, let's, let's, let's do a dance thing. Like, uh, and then the rest is history. And so I, I found it uh, interesting. I always like that's people's dating background because I, I, I wasn't, I was in in the same place as you were when you met her it just a
0: different way and a different field. So. Yeah. I love it. So what I take from that is before you jump into a relationship, do some homework.
1: Yeah. I, saw, I don't know if you're religious. I saw a great sermon. He goes, you think relationships will change you, but they expose you. Mm. If you're boring, you're going to find out if you're uneducated, that's where you find out. Don't think. So you better read before you bore that woman to death. Right. And he was being funny about it. Uh, but it's, it's then it's uncomfortable because you don't have that free time to change yourself
0: actually. To work. That's a really important lesson. Relationships expose who you already are. Like, like if you're messy, oh,
1: it's going to come out. People, because you have someone else to watch who watches you goes, oh, why why do you do right.
0: that? Yeah. That's so, cool. well, I want to end it there. Thank you so much for your time, Sebastian. It was such a pleasure getting to chat with you and kind of dive down some of these rabbit holes. Yeah, no, thank you. Thank you.
1: Always uh, glad to check out my conversational skills with you. Also, just to see you. It's great to see you again.
0: Indeed, my friend. Indeed. Thanks for tuning in. If you feel inspired by this story, please share it with a friend. If you'd like to book a free discovery call to talk with an A-Team coach, head to the episode description or visit us at A-TeamFit.com. That's A-T-E-A-M-F-I-T.com. We'll see you again soon.